0: Week one of high school football in the books in Ohio. Get your scores and get ready for week two and how you can listen or watch your teams play. Also along on episode 113, find out what team's adding a sport. Find out who's been hired for a local team. And much more only on the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This podcast is a part of the Overtime Heroics Podcast Network and the Rise Up Podcast Community. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com slash forums and visit bit.ly slash Rise Up Pod Community. Visit the LeeWMowan.com podcast to listen on your favorite platform. Music from PodSummit.com free music. Here's your host, Lee W. Mowan. You heard right. Football happened over the weekend, and it was glorious. It's always an exciting time when this time of the year happens, football starts up, college sports happen again. It is really a marvelous time for any sports fan. So we're going to cover week one scores, week two broadcasting links, and then a few things that happened over the weekend that was not glorious. So let's begin with local scores this is week one in the state of ohio but week two in the state of indiana and kentucky let's begin with thursday scores first up the battle of kettering alter 21 fairmont seven a great green county battle as beaver creek edged out xenia 21 to 20 and troy edged out belmont 28 27 in overtime on to friday and just as a reminder, we don't separate the scores by conference until most of it happens. So a couple of weeks, we'll have conference scores. Ooh. First up for Friday finals, Dixie 38, Twin Valley South 20. Celebrating 75 years of football in Brookville, Ohio, the Blue Devils took down nearby Tri-County North, 48-14. Greenville edged out Eaton, 13-6. Talawanda made a big statement in Larry Cox's first year with the Brave by taking down the Preble-Shawnee Arrows, 41-7. National Trail, the only team in Preble County to pull down a win in week one. They knocked off Riverview East Academy 56 to 6. Miami'sburg, first game for head coach Lance Schneider. They and the Vikings take down Walnut Hills 28 21. Bellbrook wins over Bethel Tate 14 to 2. Kings with a 34 20 win over Lebanon. Anna blasts off against Bishop Fenwick 48 to 14. And Sonya beats Riverside 22 to 14. Valley View, a big 41-7 win at home against the Wilmington Hurricane. Waynesville, 42, Bexley, 7. Edgewood, 34, Monroe, 6 in a classic Butler County battle. Marymont edges out Oakwood, 14-7. Coldwater with a big 42-7 win over Kenton. Dry Village takes down Jefferson Township, 32-8. Little Miami, they're looking to get back in the playoffs. Back-to-back years, first time ever at Little Miami High School, and they get the ball rolling on the right track. Thirty-five, fourteen winners over West Carrollton and the Pirates. Stebbins nineteen, Greenview zero. Marion local flies over Woodland, Indiana, forty-nine nothing. Fairborn beats Decumson thirty-six to zero. Greenan. A good start for the Knights. They take down Springfield Shawnee, 56-39. Springfield, big winners over Hilliard Bradley, 44-7. Springboro takes down Mason. A great football rivalry between the Panthers and the Comets. Panthers win 34-7. Franklin takes care of Middletown-Madison, 42-6. to Fairfield, 33-7 winners over the visiting Centerville Elks. London beats Urbana, 62-7. I believe that's the biggest margin of all the scores I have this week. Dublin-Coffman takes down Northmont, 17-7. Up next, Winton Woods. They win 36-7 over Trotwood-Madison. Dayton Christian in the Battle of Christian Schools in Miami Valley. They take down Troy Christian 29-6. Northridge, they shut out the Bethel Bees 34-0. Cole Rain defeats Wayne in the first backyard blitz battle this year 28-19. Salina edges out Versailles 28-27. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy, big winners over the Carlisle Indians 42-21. Wapakoneta 28, Bill Fountain 0. Parkway 33, Crestview 20. Benjamin Logan defeats Triad, 50-20. Harrison, 38, Vandalia Butler, 6. West Liberty Salem, a shout-out win over the Grand Falcons, 41-0. Waynesfield Goshen defeats Ayersville and the Pilots, 36-24. Delpho St. John's defeats Elida, 28-27. Allen East edges out Lima Bath, 24-21. Van Wert, they defeat Bryan, 34-14. That's a high school, not just a guy named Brian. Upper Sciota Valley, 38. Springfield Catholic Central, 6. Spencerville, 35. Lima Pearly, 16. Northwestern defeats Southeastern in the Battle of Clark County, 37-7. Eastwood, a touchdown and an extra point better over ottawa Glandorf 21-14. New Bremen, big winners over Ada, 51-21. Mississinia Valley defeats Cedarville, 24-7. St. Mary's, 25, Sydney, 22, and possibly the last non-conference game between those two squads for a while. North Union 53, Fairbanks 20, Milton Union, big winners over Miami East 46-15. Marion Pleasant 42, Indian Lake 21. In the Battle of Ridges, Ridgedale knocks off Ridgemont 30-0. Northmore defeats Marion Elgin 43-0. Fort Recovery shuts out Layman Catholic 35-0. West Jefferson picks up a big 53-7 win over Lockland and the Panthers. Mechanicsburg 27, Kenton Ridge 3, Lima Shawnee 35, Delphos Jefferson 6, Jonathan Alder 24-16 winners over Philo. Harden Norvin picks up a 48-26 win over Arcadia. Northeastern tumbles to Worthington Christian 27-14. Back to Cincinnati we go with Anderson picking up a shutout win over Simon Kenton, Kentucky 44-0. East Central Twenty-eight Oak Hills zero East Central in Indiana, Hillsboro sixteen Western bound fourteen. That's a great battle right there. Fayetteville thirty-nine Manchester ten in the Battle of Hamilton in the Battle of Team's name the Rams. Can't believe I left that out last week. Ross edges out Baden twenty to nineteen in overtime. Washington twenty-six Blanchester zero, Wyoming looking to defend their Division 4 state title. They pick up a 40-7 win over Columbus Academy. Elder, big winners over Gahanna Lincoln, 41-6. Princeton, 38. Milford, 7. Sycamore, 50. Loveland, 14. Turpin takes down Lakota East, 35-21. Hamilton, they get a win over West Claremont, 21-7. A close game between Cincinnati College Prep and Town. 8-6. College Prep wins. Schroeder, 28. St. Bernard Elmwood Place 6. Beechcroft, 15. Ponickstead, 12. I'm glad that I spelled that wrong on the local scores word document I have. Thanks a lot, me. Benayway-Beachcroft, 15-12 winners over Parnix Tech. Madeira, 42, Norwood, 0. Purcell Marion, 19, Redding, 0. Aiken, 26, North College Hill, 6. St. Xavier, 38, Brownsburg, Indiana, 17. In the Battle of Clinton County, it's Clinton-Massey winning big over the Astros of East Clinton, 59-0. LaSalle defeats Lakota West, 31-7. New Miami takes down Gamble, Montessori, and the Gators, 32-6. The Middletown Middies win big over Western Hills, 49-0. Lawrenceburg, Indiana, 34, Taylor, 0. Covington, 35, St. Henry, 6. Minster, 20, Fort Laramie, 13. McNicholas, 6, Goshen, 0. Williamsburg edges out Bactavia, 14-13. Chaminade Julianne defeats Piqua, 28-7. A four-foot win for Arcano over Oldenburg Academy in Indiana. I believe Oldenburg Academy was dealing with a rash of injuries. Therefore, win goes to Arcanum, and it's reported 1-0 Trojans, the win. And now to Indiana for the local teams. Richmond fell to Mount Vernon 45-14. Northeastern defeated Try 20-7. Centerville, Indiana defeats Hagertown 16-0. Monroe Central takes down Union City 36-6. Winchester 50, Knightstown 8, Franklin County 49, Connorsville 7, and Lincoln 19, Union County 14, and for the Golden Eagles, that breaks a long losing streak, I believe 15 games for the Golden Eagles, and Lincoln picks up their first win in a couple seasons. And some Saturday finals for you with throw twelve Woodward eight. Come back to that game, Alexander forty eight Bradford zero. The second game of the backyard blitz goes to St Francis de sales thirty five to twenty eight over the Carroll Patriots. Roger Bacon twenty three Dunbar eight, and third Good Marshall twenty eight Middledale zero. Keep the Withrow and Woodward game and the Roger Bacon Dunbar game in mind because we are going to go back to it for episode one thirteen. And we'll go to college scores. Few teams haven't played yet. That's okay. But UC picks up a big win over UCLA. Cincinnati wins 24 to 14. Cincinnati Christian defeats Warner 20 to 17. And according to their press release, it says it's their first win in program history. I cannot prove if it's the first win in CCU history or the first win over Warner and the Royals. But a big historical win for Cincinnati Christian. Congrats go out to the Eagles. Iowa takes down the Miami Redhawks 38-14. And I believe that's all the games that were played. Actually, no, I'm wrong. There is one more. Thomas Moore fell to Kentucky Christian 54-49. And now we'll talk about the teams that have yet to play. The Dayton Flyers, they start the season this Saturday at Indiana State. Wittenberg starts Saturday at Washington and Jefferson, or Wash Jeff as it's abbreviated on the schedule. Yes, Wash Jeff, but not John. There you go. There was an interesting article I wanted to bring up before we continue. It's from ESPN.com and released an article about the best college football programs over 150 years. The Wittenberg Tigers are ranked number 27. And the little blurb they had about Wittenberg, the Tigers are the traditional Division III power in Ohio, not located in Mount Union. That'd be the Mount Union Raiders, the team I think is the best football team in the state of Ohio, collegiately. There aren't many Division III schools that can boast of a former NFL coach leading their program. Bill Edwards, who coached the Detroit Lions back in 1941 and 42, won two national tiles at Wittenberg from 95 to 68 nor are there many Division Three schools that have sent three head coaches to the College Football Hall of Fame in Bill Edwards, Ernie Godfrey, and Dave Maurer. The current coach, Doe Fitchum, has done everything but win it all. His record is 210-45, and and since 1996, that program is a winning percentage at 82.3%. I think that's pretty good. I don't know about you, but yeah, that's awesome. I mean... Who knew that you had such a gem of a football team in the Miami Valley? Well, Tigers fans, and now you, because you're listening to this podcast. Wilmington starts Saturday against Olivets, or Olive T, as it might be called, if you don't know how it's pronounced. That's Saturday at home. Earlham, well, they don't have a football program this year, and I totally forgot about it while I was researching it. Earlham. We'll come back for 2020 for football as long as these three criteria are met. The first one is determine the appropriate funding levels and resources needed to support this sport outside the current budget. Hire a qualified coach, a highly qualified coach, excuse me, for 2020, and recruit an appropriate number of student athletes to field a competitive team. Earlham football in the last few years, it's been tough. I mean, you're talking about team that... Has won maybe a couple games in the last few years, maybe this decade. So Orlum wants to push the reset button, wants to make sure that, you know, we can support football. We can have someone that's highly qualified to lead it, and highly qualified athletics to back it up. Student-athletes to back it up, I should say, to field a competitive team. Will Orlum return in 2020? I hope so. I know that's going to affect the Quaker Bowl, which is Wilmington v. Earlham. You know, the two teams with Quakers. And they're separated by, oh, there's they got two counties in between each other. So there you go. Richmond versus Wilmington, Ohio. Central State, the Marauders do not start until Saturday at home. They'll host Quincy, and you can listen to it on gemcitysports.com. And Wright State Club football, well, you got another week to wait. September 14th will be the first game. I believe it's a one o'clock game against the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. That's at Wright State's Mulholland Field, which is right next to Alumni Field. Come out, support your Raiders. And no, I don't want to hear, Oh, their club, that means they don't hit. That means it's not football. Why not just put flags all around their bellies and we'll do that? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, first off, the only real difference is... No scholarships. You can't get a scholarship for playing football at Wright State. It's not an athletic-backed team. That's it. Those are hungry kids out there playing football. And I don't want to hear anyone like, I <laughs> also forgot to look up Miami's club football schedule, but I assume it's the same start at September 14th. More in that next episode. Way to go, me. And NFL! The season starts tomorrow with Green Bay versus Chicago. That's sure to be a dandy of a match. But the four teams around the Miami Valley, you got the Cincinnati Bengals at Seattle. That is a tough test for first-year head coach Zach Taylor. But with the moves that the Bengals have made recently, I think that a new day is upon us. Will it be a good day to start off? I don't know. But it's a new era upon us, so... Let's see what Cincinnati can do this year. The Cleveland Browns, they'll host the Tennessee Titans Sunday. These are Sunday games, by the way. The Cincinnati 1 is the 405 game, and I think Cleveland is 105. It might be 405. The Indianapolis Colts will be at the Los Angeles Chargers. Thank goodness I didn't say the San Diego Chargers. Whew! That's a load off my mind. And the Pittsburgh Steelers will be against the New England Patriots. That is the Sunday evening game. Football is back. Hope you got fantasy football team you like. I did, but everyone kept drafting the players that I wanted, so I can't try to defend my fantasy football championship. I still don't know how I won it. I think all three playoff games I scored underneath the projected uh, projected number, but uh, I still won all three, so yay! That goes right on the resume. Actually, it doesn't. I hope you know I'm kidding. Now we'll move on to other scores because there's other sports happening besides football. I know what a crazy world we live in because remember the two high school games I told you about? They are the main topic of this week's episode, which is 113 here on the local Sunday sports podcast. We're starting with from fox19.com. That is WXIX in Cincinnati. Multiple fights break out at Woodward vs. Withrow football game. This is this week. Like I mentioned, keep this in mind. Cincinnati police report that several fights broke out Friday night at the football game between Woodward and Withrow High Schools. Officers working the game say they encountered large unruly crowd around 8.40 p.m. Police called for assistance and made multiple arrests. The game was called as a result of the disorderly crowd. I thought they finished it the next day. Withrow won that 12-8, if I remember correctly. One of the Withrow players told Fox 19 Now that the team saw a crowd of people running, and the coach said it wasn't safe for the players to stay on the field, so they went into the locker room for safety. Police officers got on the bus with the team from Withrow as they left for their safety. A Norwood police officer got into an accident as he responded to an officer needing assistance in relation to the football game. And this cop car hit a pole at Reading and Langdon Farm Roads. He is not seriously injured. And now we'll go into the second incident happening. This is from Stateline Sports Network. I believe it's StatelineSportsNetwork.net Dunbar game stopped after player altercation with official. If you go to the article on Stateline Sports Network the top picture has it squared where the player is about ready to headbutt the official. And then there is a two minute clip from YouTube on that event. Now this tweet is from Dave Burke, Dave underscore Burke on Twitter. He is part of FirstStarFootballReport.com. He's a football recruiting speaker and consultant at com. He's also a former recruiting analysis and team publisher on the Scout Network. He was at the game and his first tweet dated 8.31 p.m. August 31st, 2019 from Dayton, Ohio. Dayton Dunbar vs. Roger Bacon game stopped and called in second QT. That's quarter. Officials stopped game after a Dunbar player pushed the referee and tried to, or did, headbutted him. Officials are waiting on police to arrive to file a complaint from what I'm seeing. That adds on to another tweet about 38 minutes later. I can't find it posted anywhere, but I was shown a video by a fan as I was leaving with the player with the helmet on, headbutting the ref. I asked if they would share it with me, and they declined, so it's out there somewhere, the video. And like I mentioned, it is the second thing you see on the Stateline Sports Network article. Dunbar has faced issues in the past with the OHSAA which are not the kids' fault. It was a bunch of adults that were guilty, and Dunbar was ineligible for boys' basketball postseason play last season, and Dunbar is on probation until 2022. The sanctions also include all Dayton Public Schools that be on probation until 2020, till next year. So, two very bad incidents. The first one, the Woodward Withthrow, It's a bad fight mixing up with what I assume are the folks that are coming out to watch it. It's not the players. But the Dunbar-Roger-Bacon game at Welcome Stadium, this player decided, hey, I'm going to headbutt a ref. From WCPO.com in Cincinnati, this is the ABC affiliate in the Queen City, The Dayton-Dunbar-Milford at football game Friday night will be played as scheduled by Mike Dyer. He does a wonderful job talking about Cincinnati preps, which is high school sports. Milford Athletic Director Aaron Zupka, I believe it's his first year with Milford, he confirmed the game will go on this Friday. He learned Tuesday morning as the Ohio High School Athletic Association continues its investigation about Dunbar student-athlete. The game will be played less than a week after video footage appeared to show a football official headbutted by a Dunbar defensive player with seven minutes remaining in the second quarter. Talks about Milford losing to Princeton 38-7. Dunbar has three Cincinnati-area opponents. A couple years back, they were part of the Southwest Ohio Public Conference, which is Dayton and Cincinnati Public Schools, but I don't think that's a thing anymore. Someone can tell me if I'm wrong on that. Dunbar will also play Atlas South September 20th, so a couple more weeks. The OHSAA said in the statement Sunday night it will continue to investigate the incident has received full cooperation from Dunbar and Dayton Public Schools. Like I said, it's one player that decided, hey, headbutting a ref and shoving a ref is a good idea. Man, people have a lot of opinions on this stuff. This is why I don't talk politics on this podcast, thank goodness for that, but People were pointing fingers at the adults and the coaches that failed him because coaches are, they dropped the knowledge of growing up onto the athletes, which, to a point, yes, but head coaches didn't tell that, well, it's not proven yet, but head coaches didn't tell him, oh, hey, go headbutt that ref, that's a good idea. <sighs> The Spartans defeated Dayton Dunbar 23-8, as the article continues from WCPO. After the game was called with seven minutes left in the second quarter. Prior to that incident, Dunbar had three or four unsportsmanlike penalties, according to the head coach of Roger Bacon, Mike Blau. Roger Bacon was near the Dunbar five-yard line when the incident occurred. Now, Roger Bacon defensive back coach Tommy Watkins... He mentions to the station, never seen anything like it in 35 years being around the game. He's seen a lot of football. Blount said he addressed the incident with his team for about three minutes on Monday. He said it was a reminder about players keeping their composure at all times. Dayton Public Schools and the OHSAA released statements on Sunday, which would be the day right after that game, I believe. Jerry Snodgrass, the executive of the OHSAA, told WCPO Sunday morning he learned of the incident minutes after it occurred Saturday night. With social media and easy way of getting a hold of people with phones, that's not a big surprise. The article continues to talk about what happened. Dayton Public Schools released a statement Sunday to Dayton Daily News. Dayton Public Schools are dealing with a student who chose to behave in a manner unbecoming of DPS Athletics and Athletes, Excuse me. Superintendent Elizabeth Lolly said. The Dayton Public School District extends a sincere apology to the referee involved in the incident, as well as the Roger Bacon and Dunbar Athletes, referees, coaches, parents, and spectators who were not able to play in or watch the event. Blout said his seniors were disappointed they couldn't play a complete game. But glad to have the victory and rest up for next week's home game, this week's home game, against Newport Central Catholic, who are one and one at this juncture. That will be September 6th between Newport Central Catholic and Roger Bacon. Roger Bacon's renovated Braun Bacevic will host the game. That's the stadium. Actually, it's a very lovely stadium. Very old stadium when Rice Day played Xavier, but I loved it. It's right off of Mitchell Avenue. You go past Vine, where you turn off to go to Cincinnati Zoo, and it's just a couple blocks away. It was nice. And I liked my time there, but there you go. The Spartans were led Saturday night by standout junior running back Corey Kiner, who returned the opening kickoff 86 yards for a touchdown. Later caught a 17-yard touchdown pass for Tyler Bullock in the second quarter. So yeah, that's two big incidents that hit the media. And, I, I just shake my head at all this. I mean, we're getting really violent with each other, and I can't stand that fact. It's bad when there's a couple of friends I know on social media that keep sharing, hey, we could disagree on things and not hate each other. Isn't that great? It, I know there is isolated events. I was going to say events that are isolated, so there you go. It is a shame that happened. And it's... It's a big learning experience. I mean, consequences have to happen. You can't just go around headbutting refs. And there's people that are also on the Yappy forums bringing up the fact, you want to know why we can't find officials? And why it's so hard to bring in new blood? Into the stripes? Well, there's a reason why. Second reason is if you ever go to the game and hear people just just send mass masochistic comments towards them, like they're doing their job, they're human. Get off their back. You know? I mean it's, it's scary. Looking at the Dayton Daily News article written by Sarah Franks on September the first, it's be Sunday. Try to see if there was anything else. There were no reports of arrest, however. Dayton police said they were requested for assistance for an escort outside Welcome Stadium. Ben Ferry of the Ohio High School, I believe that's how you spell it, F-E-R-R-E-E, of the Ohio High School Athletic Association said the state organization will investigate the incident as they have been doing. And he mentions, this is new to me. He's been with OHSAA for seven years, and he can't remember a time where a player attacked a referee like that. It's sad. Like I said, for the guilty party, it better be a learning experience. I mean, I don't think you're gonna see the field again, 2019, but it is, it's sad that both these things happen. I love talking sports on here, I love spreading the goodness of Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. But I hate when it gets turned like that. It's so wrong. Sports are supposed to be an escape from real life. Or if you work in sports like me, it's your job. And when things like this happen, it's, it's a shame. That's all. So yeah, week one, Ohio high school football in the books. Week two, coming up. And where can you hear some games? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I have a couple for you again. This is from yappy.com and the forums. I'm very glad it exists. Like I mentioned, this year we're going to be doing, you know, your upcoming broadcast in the episode. So, we'll start off with week two, or week three in Indiana, broadcast. We'll start off with the live stream of Tippecanoe at Springfield Shawnee. It's on WRGT DD2 or by 452 And it's also online at MyTVDayton.com slash live. I didn't get a chance to watch last week's game on there, but I'm hoping I get a chance to this Thursday, which is tomorrow. Now for Friday games, Hagerstown versus Union City. You can listen to it on WKBV, that's ESPN, Richmond, Indiana, 100.9 FM or 1490 AM in the Rose City. You have Marion Harding at Jonathan Alder at 7 with WVXGFM 95.1, believe that's Marion, Ohio, at 951rocks.com, or listen to WCYCLP 105.1. FM or readyfm.com if you're not in the Jonathan Alder area. That's Plain City, by the way. There's no town called Jonathan Alder. Well, at least around here there isn't. Madison Plains at Fredericktown. Well, tune in to WMVOAM 1300 or 100.9 FM or go to wmvo.basohio.com. Marion Local versus Bishop Watterson. At Ohio Dominican University, that's a nice field. You can listen to it at CBUSSportsRadio.com. C-B-U-S-SportsRadio.com. There's two S's. Watch out there. Belmont at Upper Arlington. That's on GBSNradio.com. radiocom West Jefferson versus Bishop Reedy. You know, the first time I saw Bishop Reedy play softball, I didn't know it was Reedy. Then I know that second softball regional game they had at Wright State. People told me it was Reedy. I was like, I didn't know that. It's spelled Ready. But it's Reedy, I'm sorry. Anyway, this is at the Fortress Field at Obits, the former, I believe it's the former Columbus Crew Training Home, and also the former Ohio Machine Home. That's 7pm at WVSGAM820, or Miami's Miami'sburg's at Olin Tangy. You can go to WD L-R-A-M at 1550 or 92.9 FM in the Olentangy slash Delaware County area or online at WDLRradio.com. Wayne at Olentangy Liberty. I saw someone mention that broadcasting fees were a thing and they were not happy, but they got them and they'll be broadcasting on WSWO 97.3 FM Huber Heights or daytonoldies.org. Lipsick at Columbus Grove. That's WZOQ at zsportslive.com, or also on ubrnetworks.com. Parkway at Spencerville. That's on zsports3.com. Good friends up in Northwest Ohio. They do a nice job covering lots of high school sports around the Lima area. Hicksville at Convoy Crestview. Got a couple options here. On 105.7 FM, WZOM, or 105thebowl.iheart.com, or WKSDFM99.7, or WERT1220.com. Before we get to the next game, how awesome is it we can listen to games online? That's outstanding. See, the internet is not the radio killer. Radio's still going strong. It's too bad that no one would hire me, though. Ada at Arlington, WONB-FM 94.9 FM or on onu. dot edu slash WONB. Pick what Lima Sr., you can listen to it. My good friend Kevin O'Boyle's got that call. WPTWAM 1570 AM or 98.1 FM. You can go online 981wptw.com. It's also on the Lima Warriors Ustream channel, ustream.tv slash channel slash lima hyphen warriors hyphen football. Please do not spell a hyphen. It's the actual thing. Or on 1150 a.m. W I M A at 1150 W I M A dot com. Sydney Abel Fountain. You can listen to this game at peakofohio dot com or 107.3 FM or W297BPFM. I think that's something to do with digital radio. I think. Someone could tell me if I'm wrong. WOW's got one of those stations in Milford so that people can listen to it downtown. Which is neat. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's not the same thing at all. Awesome. West Liberty Salem at Benjamin Logan. That's WPKO FM 983 or peakofohio.com or Urbana at Mechanicsburg, peakofohio.com, or WBLAM 1390 or 106.9 FM. Keep in mind that's in the Bell Fountain area. If you try 106.9 around Wright State, that's the Wright State College Station. St. Mary's Memorial of Wapakoneta, couple choices there. Michael Hearns back with a call on WKKIFM 94.3 or K943.com. It's also on WZRXFM 107.5, WZRXFM at iHeart, excuse me, WZRXFM.iHeart.com. It's not an email address, I promise. Or WWSRFM 93.1, 931thefan.com. Lima Baff at Kenton, you got 95.3 FM, WKTN, WKTN.com. And Sonia New Bremen is on WCSMRadio.com, online only it looks like. St. Henry at Fort Loramie, that's on 96.7 FM, WCSM, or also on WCSMRadio.com. Anna at Brookville, there are two online stations. You can listen to scoresbroadcast.com or gemcitysports.com. Minster at Covington. That's bucksfootball Two C's. B U C C S football Fort Recovery at Valley View. That's on FortRecoveryRadio.com. dot Salina at Lima Shawnee. Well, tune in to thirteen fifty a.m. W C S M. Also W C S M Radio or W excuse me K ninety four three dot com. The K and the W threw me off. For sales at Delphos Jefferson, WTGR 97.5 in the Dark County area has got it. Or WDGR.com if you're not near Greenville. Or WDOH, WDOHFM 107.1 at fun1071.fm. It's fun when I get to say WDOH because the Simpsons. Dixie at Village, that's on WTGR.com in the internet stream. Thurgood Marshall at Archbishop Alter. That's on OhiosportsLine.net. That's the home of Alter Sports. Fairmont at Lakota East. Couple options here. You know the blue signs you might see when you need to know about stuff happening around or traffic jams? Well, you can go to 1610 or 1660 AM, WPVW207, or 1610.info to listen online. Or how about the folks at WMOH? They're at 1450 AM in the Butler County area, or WMOH.com. It's their game of the week. Fairfield at Springfield in the Battle of Fields, in the Battle of Fair Springs. Well, that's ESPN 1410 AM or WingAM.com. Goshen at Hillsborough. That's WSRWAM 1590 or 101.5 FM or WSRW.com. Wilmington's at Miami Trace. You can tune in. I believe that's the Miami Trace area, 105.5 FM, WCHO, or Buckeye Country 105com Bethel Tate at New Richmond. That's Mixler.com slash NRLions. With Throw at Princeton, that is ESP Media handling it. That's Livestream.com slash ESP Media to catch it live. And they also have Lebanon at Loveland at 7. It's also on LebanonOhio.gov's website. Just like last week. It's kinda of cool that the city of Lebanon's government page also follows the Warriors. That's really cool. You wonder why more villages or cities don't do that. St. X at Colrain, a battle of the one and bombers and Cardinals. This should be a good battle in Cincinnati. You got WSAIAM thirteen sixty, that's Fox Sports Cincinnati, or Fox Sports thirteen sixty dot Or you can listen to the folks that cover Cardinal Sports at We Are Colrain. Cole, C-O-L-E, rain, like the stuff that falls from the sky. Cole, rain. There you go. LaSalle at Mason. It's on WCVX AM 1160 or ChristianTalk1160.com. And also, you can listen to it on Mason Comet Sports Radio and their Mixler page or LaSalleFootball.org slash WLSN dash listen, watch, dash games. Moller at Louisville Trinity in Kentucky. Let's go bigbow.com's your home for that. Indianapolis Cathedral, the second straight week that they're taking on a Cincinnati team. They got Elder this time. It's on ehsports.com, WNOPAM 740 or 89.5 FM or WHSS FM 89.5 or sacredheartradio.com. Anderson at Hamilton at com. Simon Kenton at Oak Hills. That's com. Avon Lake at Clinton Massey. I said Missy when I was speaking too fast and then I broke Audacity by moving all the wonderful things here. Behind the scenes look! Oh no! Anyway, that's game is in Finley. Not at Clinton Massey, not at Avon Lake. Go to Finley. Or... Go to WALHradio.com to listen to that call the Falcons hosting Avon Lake, Monroe at Ross. You have SWOhiosportsdaily.com. You can listen to it online there. Sorry that I missed out on last week's broadcast listing. I do apologize for that. And also, you could go to local TV for me, the number four, dot com, or watch it on WRCX forty Dayton. That is not Monroe at Ross, that is the upcoming game of the week that they do, and I forgot about them last week as well. Like I mentioned, this is from yappy.com, this is not the full all list of all broadcasts. If I missed any, you can tweet me at the Lee W. Mallon or Gem on Queen Crown, and I will try to add it in for week three. Like I mentioned, this is a service I try to do for folks that can't go to the games, because there are good people out there that broadcast these things. Also, 107.3 FM should have the Centerville football game as well. That's the Centerville High School radio station. Wish Valley View had a radio station when I was there, but they still don't, so there you go. Football! And we'll take a break right now, because this is already 41 minutes long. Wow, I did not mean to make it that long, and we still have a lot more to cover. Coming up next, other scores. There's college soccer and volleyball about now. And also, which school's adding a team? Who got hired for a high school hockey team? And baseball. It's still happening for two of the three teams around here. This is the local Sydney sports podcast, the gem of the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast, and we'll be back after this break. Hi everybody, I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations, Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code CincySport with two eyes, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code CincySport with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. Coin. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit the leewmawin.com slash podcast. Then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. And now time for other scores, cause there's a lot to cover. We'll start off with Wright State. The Raiders volleyball team is two and one. They dropped the opening match of 2019 to Bowling Green three sets out of four, but came back and beat Notre Dame, the host of that tournament, three to two and LaSalle three to one. And that marks the second straight season that Wright State picks up their first win of the season against a power six foe. That's impressive. The Raiders now make the short trip south to Cincinnati. They'll be in the Xavier Invitational this weekend with William and Mary. Not just William, but Mary. I Mary's a mean server. That's a joke. Akron and Xavier. And then the Raiders host the Wright State Invitational next weekend, not this upcoming weekend but next and i get to be part of that for a little bit so i'm pretty excited the raiders will host indiana state western illinois and toledo we'll talk more about that next week though i promise men's soccer at wright state they're one and one they fell in their first match at central arkansas four to one but they came back and beat memphis four to two quite nice turnaround there for the raiders one more road match before the home opener the Raiders take on West Virginia Saturday before hosting Cincinnati Tuesday the 10th. That will probably be right before I release episode 114, in case you thought I was going to talk more about it. Women's soccer, great start for the Raiders, 3-0-1. That's three wins in a the draw. They last drew with Valparaiso 2-2 and a late Destiny Johnson goal. The Raiders have wins at Marion, Indiana, an NAIA school and also at Bucknell, and a home win against Miami. First time the Hawks have been at Wright State since 2003. It's been a while, I know. I had that call on ESPN+. Plus. The crew said it was great, but I personally thought, nah, it wasn't the best broadcast from yours truly. The women's soccer Raiders will be home Friday against Thomas Moore, and then back on the 15th, that's a Sunday, against Tennessee Martin. Or UT Martin, as it's most known by. Now we make the trip to UD. What are the Flyers doing? Well, volleyball is 1-3. They clean swept the Red Hawks at Miami for the first win of the year. But the first losses of the year shouldn't be looked down upon. They were against really tough teams. The Flyers fell in 5 against Texas A&M. Fell in 5 against number 10 Florida. And got swept by the host Louisville Cardinals 3-0. Louisville is number 25 in the country in volleyball, by the way. The Flyers now host the Dayton Invitational with Northern Illinois, Missouri, who's receiving some votes, and number 14, Michigan. Yeah, Coach Tim Horseman has his Flyers squad play a tough schedule, and that's going to turn in dividends. I always think a tough schedule makes it more manageable to battle in the conference, especially since VCU is still pretty darn good. But definitely come out, see the Flyers. It's free, and you can see some pretty darn good volleyball. UD Men's Soccer is 0-2 on the year. The Men's Soccer season just started last weekend, in case you're wondering why the numbers seem a little low. That's why. The Flyers fell in both... Ohio State Tournament games, they fell in overtime against UIC in the Flames, 3-2, to which, by the way, when did UIC get powdered blue jerseys for the men's soccer team? That's a really sharp look. Not exactly school colors, UIC's always been fire engine red and navy, but Chicago, seems like all the Chicago teams have that badge and the red stars on them, that flag, I should say, with that powdered blue, so that's a nice look. It's like when did that happen? I wish I knew. Anyway, <clears throat> the Flyers also fell against Cal State Northridge 3 to 1. That's the team that ended up winning the OSU tournament. They beat Ohio State 4 to 3, I believe. I believe that was the final match. The Flyers come back home. They'll be home for two games. They'll host the Dayton tournament with three total matches. The first one The first home game of the year will be Friday against Ohio State at 7, and Monday against Northern Illinois at 5.30. There's one neutral game. Eastern Illinois will take on Ohio State Sunday at 5. And I hope that the sound system doesn't go kaplooy on me again. Twice in... what would that be? Twice in seven years. Ugh, I'm probably not good luck, but there you go. Women's soccer at UD is 1-2-1 and this year. They took down Miami at home 5-1, but they fell to Illinois on the road 3-2 and fell to DePaul at home 1-0, but drew with Xavier in Cincinnati 0-0. The Flyers will be at Bowling Green Thursday and home versus Indiana State 1 o'clock on Sunday, so you get a chance to see the women end and... Neutral site match that day. I was about to say the Flyers played Sunday, but that's not correct. You can come out and see free soccer. What's nice about UD, if you love volleyball and you love soccer, it's free. Free parking, free entrance. Cool. And in men's soccer matches, you can hear me talk. Which I think it's a plus, but you know. Miami and the Red Hawks mentioned that they fell to Iowa in the first game of the year. But the volleyball team is 2 and 2 in their own Miami Best Western Sycamore Inn invite. They beat Virginia Tech in 4 and South Carolina Upstate in 3 but fell to Northwestern in 4. And they also fell to the Flyers like previously mentioned in 3. Next up, the Auto Owner's Insurance as opposed to Auto Renters or Auto Stealers Insurance. It's the Spartan invite and they have Tennessee and Indiana State on tap. Miami does not field men's soccer, and they haven't since 1998. Women's soccer, 0-3, with losses to Dayton and Wright State. And they fell to Cleveland State at home, 1-0. It's a trip to Kentucky for MU. They'll be at Moorhead State Friday, then UK on Sunday. And now down to Cincinnati. We'll talk about Cincinnati, then Xavier, then Northern Kentucky. They'll close out our D1 wrap-up. The Bearcats men's soccer team is 1-1. One one. They fell to Mercer 2-0. And 1 versus Albany 2-1. Both those matches at home. The Crosstown Bout will happen Friday with Xavier. I, personally, I love when the two schools in Cincinnati get to play. Cincinnati-Xavier. That's, that's an incredible rivalry. They do a nice job making sure that they play in every single sport. It's, it's the best rivalry. So yeah, Cincy Xavier, that's at UC's Gettler Stadium, and that'll be Friday before UC heads up north to take on Wright State on Tuesday. Women's soccer, UC's 1-3, they beat St. John's at home 2-0, but fell at Virginia Tech, number 25 Virginia Tech, 2-0, and at Mizzou, 2-1, and also at Western Michigan, 1-0. Northwestern comes in tomorrow, then it's a trip to Tennessee on Sunday for the Bearcats. UC volleyballs two and one. They took on the Panther Challenge, which is not something strange. It's the Pit Panther Challenge. It's not like dump a bucket of ice on another bucket of ice, and dump it on you or something. That's the ALS challenge, but you get what I'm saying. UC beat South Carolina in four and Cleveland State in three before being swept by the host number 12 Pittsburgh Panthers 3-0 up next is the Spartan invite I believe it's the same one Miami's going to but Miami's didn't list Michigan State but it is in East Lansing so I think it's the same one the auto owners tournament as opposed to auto Steelers and micro machines or what am I talking about Anyway, the Spartan invites up next for UC Volleyball with number 21 Tennessee, Indiana State, and the hosts Sparty and Michigan State. To Xavier, Men's Soccer's 2-0. They picked up a dandy of a win against number 23 Akron 2-0 and Eastern Illinois 3-0. Making that short trip to UC for the Crosstown Derby Friday and then making the trip to Kentucky. Ranked number 6 or number 8, depending on what the schedule picked. Wednesday, the 11th. I didn't realize Kentucky was ranked that high. That's impressive. Women's soccer for Xavier's 2-1-1 one and one, with a 2-overtime win at Murray State 4-3 and a home win against Bowling Green 2-1. Drew with UD in a scoreless affair and fell in one overtime at Missouri 3-2. At Kent State Friday, then Akron on Sunday. How about the Xavier Musketeers volleyball team? They're 2-1 and one from the Utah State Tournament. They fell to Southern Utah in three, but recovered nicely to beat the Host Aggies in four and Eastern Michigan in four. And up next is the Xavier Tournament, like I mentioned, with William & Mary Akron, Wright State, and the Host Musketeers. That's at the Sintas Center. That's a beautiful place to go see sports. And lastly to Northern Kentucky. Men's soccer's 0-1 and 1. That's a loss and a draw. We have a 3-0 loss at Grand Canyon, and a home draw versus Marshall 1-1. NKU makes the trip to Niagara Friday, then Canisius Sunday. Funny story, I always thought it was Canisius before I got to announce Canisius. The more you know. NKU women's soccer's 2-2. Picked up wins against Lipscomb 4-0 and Murray State 3-1. They lost. At home to Ohio 1-0 and Butler 2-1. They're at UK tomorrow, then EKU Sunday. And the Norse volleyball teams 2-1 from the Purdue-Fort Wayne invite presented by Hyatt Place. They won versus South Alabama in four and the host Mastodons in three, but could not come up with a clean sweep. They dropped the five-set decision to Western Michigan. And now these Norse head to our nation's capital for the Georgetown invite with the hosts Hoyas, Stony Brook, and Marshall. And that's all the football and other sports scores from this week. That nearly took about 50 minutes, and we still have a lot more to cover, too. Exciting. And now it's time to talk about a new team joining a classic school. Central State University. I broadcasted there for a year. It's a lovely place. Great athletics, great people. And now, the home of the newest men's volleyball program. That's right, Central State University Athletics were gifted a $150,000 check from First Point Volleyball Foundation. You see on the picture there for men's volleyball in Division Two from the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, or the SAIC. When will this team play? Next year, 2020-2021. It's a lot of 2020 vision. It's like better than 2020. It's 2021. Actually, I don't think it's better. There you go. Anyway, the press release reads, The edition of men's volleyball was announced at a press conference on the CSU campus. Along the news at CSU has received a $150,000 gift from First Point Volleyball Foundation and USA Volleyball to support the new program it continues to be important for us as an institution to step forward and provide opportunities for a diverse group of students said president jackson hammond with all the schools that have added men's volleyball in ohio and around the country it's a great time for us to commit to add this sport we are thankful for the support of first point volleyball and usa volleyball as we embark on this new path I really like this addition. I I like it when schools add teams, not have to subtract teams. And if you've seen volleyball, it's a great sport. Love volleyball. I mean, in terms of men's volleyball, the I'm trying to think the six D1 schools I talk about, Wright State, Dayton, Miami, Cincinnati, Xavier, and Norfolk, Kentucky, I don't think they have men's volleyball. The closest one I know is PFW, but it's not in the Horizon League because it's not a league-sanctioned sport. I think PFW's been okay in it. Women's volleyball has normally been strong for the Mastodons, but there you go. Reading on, Anthony Holloman, chairman of the SIAC Committee on Men's Volleyball, announced that a total of six colleges from the SAIC, all hbcus that's Historical Black College and Universities, will be announcing the addition of the sport. Wade Garrard, CEO of First Point Volleyball Foundation, gave a total investment of $1 million, 600000 from First Point Volleyball, 400000 from USA Volleyball, to support the six colleges and the league in starting the sport. Central State's one of the six. Reading on, I'm not sure who else is adding it. Hopefully Kentucky State, because Central State, Kentucky State, that's a great rivalry. Looking through, and I don't believe it says the other five schools. Men's volleyball will be the 11th sport offered at Central State University, and the 5th men's sport. Central State currently fields teams in women's volleyball, football, men's cross-country, women's cross-country, women's basketball, men's basketball, both indoor track and field for men and women. Outdoor track for men and women. Now, if you know your Central State history long ago, it used to be baseball program. It used to be pretty darn good. I'm hoping that Central State will add it again, but I'm not sure. But I do like the men's volleyball edition at Central State. So congrats, Marauders. Here's to the start of a successful team in Wilberforce, Ohio, USA. So congrats, go out. To the Marauders for adding men's volleyball. It talks a little bit about boys and men's volleyball. Boys volleyball is exploding. It is the fastest growing team sport in the U.S. For high school boys growing at 22% over the last five years. See, boys volleyball to me in high school, there's not a lot of schools that have it. It's kind of like, well, I like to tell you it's like ice hockey, but it's... Ice hockey is kind of... I've seen one team add, and that was Olin Tanji Berlin, and that's because they were a new team. I guess that's not true. I guess Columbus Academy recently added a team. But around here, I'm pretty sure the number still stands at 12. I don't see high schools like, ice, ice hockey team, let's add it. Whereas boys volleyball, you don't need, you know, the separate ice rink or anything, of course, because it's played on a court. You just need, I believe it's springtime, you just need to get the volleyball lines back up in the gym. Would I like to see it become the norm? Yeah, because it means you get volleyball twice a year. In high school, you get tennis twice a year too, but that's because girls play in the fall, boys in the spring. I don't know why that is. But there you go. And now we move on from new team to new coach for a team. And this is the one of two hockey teams I cover over the winter, the Centerville Elks. They hired Dylan Abood. I certainly hope that his last name is pronounced Abood. I'll find out later towards the season. Dylan Abood has been named as the new hockey coach at Centerville High School. Coach Abood brings a wealth of hockey knowledge to Centerville with him, to this position as well, as a knowledge of our current team, having served as a part-time assistant coach last season. Dylan played collegiately at the United States Air Force Academy, where he was a two-year captain. He helped lead the Falcons to two Atlantic Hockey Conference championships and two Elite 8 appearances, just missing out on a Frozen 4 berth. He served in a variety of cadet leadership positions and was directly responsible for for the academic, athletic, and military development of anywhere from 6 to 30 cadets at a time. While playing for Air Force, he was nominated for several awards, including the Vic Halinger Award for Dedication, Character, Leadership, and Work Ethic, the Larry Crook Most Inspirational Player Award, Defensive Player of the Year, and the Jim Bowman Scholar-Athlete Award. He was also the recipient of the 2018 USAF Academy Athletic Leadership Award, as well as the NCAA Derek Hines Unsung Hero Award. He was selected as the College Sports Information Directors of America third team All-American and was nominated for the 2018 NCAA Senior Class Award, graduating 34th out of 1,006 cadets in the class of 2018. Zariah so of the bat, hockey experience, check. Leadership experience, check. You know, being part of the United States military does that for you. And a darn good work ethic. Yeah, that's definitely checked in there. So it seems like this year's going to be a plus. However, if you haven't followed the Elks, or you're forgetting what last year brought, eight seniors, one goalie, the most prolific offensive ice hockey player for Centerville in quite some time, strong defenseman behind the line, that's a lot of losses. Eight seniors walked for graduation last spring, or I guess the previous spring. So it's gonna be interesting to see how Sunnerville fares this year. And remember, the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League is minus one team because St. X. Made the jump from the Swashel to the Capital Hockey Conference. You know, the hockey conference with all the Columbus schools. And Moeller, now St. X. Something I don't believe I mentioned. St. X has always been in the CHC for Junior Varsity Hockey. Which is something I didn't really realize until last year, I believe. Looking up, it's like, hey, St. X is there. It's right after a JV game between St. X and Moeller at South Metro, too. Glad I knew that before, you know, going live, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. So I'm definitely looking forward to this season. Schedule isn't quite out yet, but I will, you know, keep my eyes peeled for it instead of just peeling my own eyes for something else. I, I'm I'm always excited for hockey season. It's my favorite time of the year. I love hockey, and I think Centerville should be... Pretty good this year, although the eight seniors from last year were tremendous. They were tremendous in the team spirit. This year, I don't know. But we'll see how 2019-2020 goes and welcome Coach Abood. Can't wait to meet you. Now, it mentions in the, the post-game wrap-up or the, uh, post-game wrap-up, excuse me, the press release, a part-time assistant coach last season. I don't remember when Coach Abood was with Coach Aaron Quick. I'm trying to remember any road trips I went on with Centerville. But, like I mentioned, can't wait to meet him. Can't wait for the upcoming hockey season as well. While we're on the subject of hockey, I'd like to bring to your attention the South Metro Sports Facebook page. There's been some improvements to the ice side of the rink. And from the post on August the 12th, out with the old, in with the new. This summer, South Metro Sports has undertaken a significant remodeling project in our Ice House in order to bring an improved experience to our hockey, figure skating, and recreational skating customers. Crews are currently working on a total revamp on the Ice House nhl size rink, dasher boards, protective glass, floor, and environmental controls. Starting with a completely new state-of-the-art refrigeration system, you know, the thing that makes the ice stay ice, years of surface stability issues in the rink floor and surrounding boards have been remedied. That will include ice floor temperature regulation for a wider range of year-round events, tournaments, and competitions. A new dehumidification system will allow a better view for players and spectators alike. No more foggy games. It's true, foggy games are not fun to watch. Luckily, when I'm broadcasting them, I'm on the second floor, so that's not that big of a deal. But if you're not up in the lobby, you're kind of having to try to look through the foggy glass, so that is nice. Improved benches will accommodate larger teams and activities like sled hockey. Sled hockey? Sign me up for that. Don't have to skate. A new official's bench and penalty box area, sound system, improved lighting, and enhanced spectator protection will provide a welcoming and safe environment for all. Video streaming debuted... It's been a thing for a couple years now. Always, I'm always appreciative of Nick Poe for giving me a shot after I wasn't sure what I'd do after the demolition decided to not come back and hair arena closing up shop. So I'll always be... In-depth to Nick Poe for helping me out. Debuted at the Buckeye Travel Hockey League season finale tournament, will be available for those spectators and able to attend events in person. These improvements are underway so that the Ice House will be ready for the upcoming fall season. See you soon at South Metro Ice House. Now, of course, you can't see it unless you're pulling up the post, but some of these pictures, it's neat to think about what goes in a hockey rink, what goes underneath the ice. I always love that part. And just happening a couple days ago, a brand new chiller has made its way behind the rink. And the last update is August 27th. All the concrete is completed and the base grade in the rink is done. I believe that's what helps sets the boards on the other side of the ice. Not long before we will have ice. Just looking at, there's someone that made an ice pun. Nice. Anyway, just looking about it, it looks very nice. I can't wait to see what's happening at South Metro again. And soon, there will be hockey. There's the Academy Hockey Club Fall League, which, you know, for hockey players, they come in, get ready, and warm up for the season. Then season occurs, and then, blink, it's gone. That's how hockey works. Whereas basketball lasts a little bit longer, all the other sports seem like the last little locker. Hockey... The preseason early November, and then you start late November and go into mid-February. Bam. But that's just me. And now we talk about baseball to close up episode 113. Yes, I know, this has been a very long episode, and I didn't mean to make it that long. I still can't believe talking between the scores and the upcoming broadcasts of high school football, it took me nearly 40 minutes to complete that. That's insane. Dragons are done. The Dayton Dragons are finished, and they are not in the playoffs, which starts today in the Midwest League. Do want to talk about some players and my picks for probably MVPs. I'd definitely say the one that's been the longest with the highest batting average is Jay Skyler. He played 109 games out of 140, so that's missing, what, 31? That's not bad considering that you take days off and, you know, you have another catcher. You know, Jay Skyler. he's from San Diego, the University of San Diego, and I really like that he was flexible. He played about, you know, anywhere he was asked to. He caught, he was in left field, and he was at first base for a little bit as well. 260 batting average in 109 games, that's 101 hits with 388 at-bats for 50 RBIs, and that co-leads the team with Juan Martinez, the third baseman that hit 238. I like Skyler. I think this year we had a pretty solid catching tandem of Skyler and Pavel Manzanero, although later on in the season, Manzanero became pretty much first base in DH extraordinaire. Manzanero left Dayton with a two hundred eighty one batting average in Daytona. Last time I checked, he was batting two hundred twenty two. In fact, Monzanero shares the highest batting average of the year with Brian Ray, who also got called up to Daytona. Ray slugged out 40 RBIs in 66 games, Monzanero 44 in 86. So yeah, I do like some of the players that we had. It's just this year, what really ailed the Dragons is just not being able to win on the road. If you're going to be a playoff team, you got to win at home, you got to win on the road. Dragons were okay on the road, but not so much. Excuse me, Dragons were okay at home, not so much on the road. Also, afternoon games were not the easiest to win for Dayton this year, and I'm not sure why, except for the fact that you come to the ballpark in the afternoon, take batting practice, get ready for an evening game, whereas an afternoon game, you sleep it off, come to the ballpark, you know, loosen up, get ready for the next game, and bam. So I, I get the change of the change of time and change of schedule, but there you go. Pitching wise for Dayton, I liked the job that Connor Bennett did before he got called up to Daytona, and it seemed like he did a very nice job in Daytona as well, so he might be back with the Tortugas, Connor Bry Connor Bennett, excuse me, or maybe even to Chattanooga and the Lookouts. Which by the way, in case you're wondering how many farm teams in the Reds made the playoffs, I'll give you a second to figure out your guesses. Have you figured it out yet? Pretty warm day today. Hopefully we have a nice fall. It's one. It's the Billing Mustang. Billings Mustangs. Out of Montana in the rookie Pioneer League. Dragons didn't make it, Tortugas didn't make it, Chattanooga didn't make it, Louisville didn't make it. Neither did the AZL Reds, that's the Arizona League Reds, and also the Greenville Reds, rookie Appalachian League team. Pitching-wise, I'll pick a couple of pitchers throughout there. I like Carlos Machoro coming back. Didn't pitch a lot last year, if at all, because of an injury. Came back and showed me that he's ready for advanced day. He's been with the Dragons now two years he was back in 2017 his first game was that nine inning no hitter the first one ever by Dayton Dragons surprising your first game and the pitcher the starting pitcher which I want to say that was Moss I think that was Scott Moss starting that game gave up no hits your first game well you got that on your shoulders and he threw two impeccable innings and then the Closer Brian Hunter at the time got the save and didn't give up a hit. How big was that no hitter? It was awesome. I had the box score hanging up over where I work, but it got taken down. So there you go. Matt Piditch came in, did a nice job as closer, did get a blown save in the last game of the year, but pitched to keep his team in it, so can't really you know, can't really fault the job that Pieditch did, the former Pitt Panther. Nick Lodolo, I'm sure, is everyone's first pick on best pitcher. Two starts, seven innings, two earned runs on six hits and seven. Yeah, he did a nice job. Did a really nice job. If you're wondering why the numbers are so low, to baby the arm, make sure you, know, you don't overextend them. Can't wait to see what Lodolo does. I don't think he comes to Dayton again. I think he goes to Daytona. Maybe Chattanooga, but that's a big step. Between A and a double A. Even advanced A double A is a big jump too, because then you're trying to prove that, you know, you can make it in the big leagues. Jared Solomon got a rookie start this year, but came back and pitched nicely. Didn't get a lot of wins, in fact a lot of the starters didn't. Went one and three in eleven starts. But three point four three ERA, that's pretty good. Through all these numbers, there's a lot of high ERAs. In fact, about halfway through, get to 411. It's about the median of the bunch. Got a couple with zero ERAs. So what do I expect out of the 2020 Dragons? Well, I like to tell you, but I don't know who's going to be part of the team as well. It was cool to see the former Division 1 pitcher of the year in Ohio and Andrew McDonald. But McDonald had a 9.33 ERA in his 9 appearances with Dayton. Normally wore high stirrups too. That was cool. Former Mason Comet. It's always cool when you see the local kids get to pitch at the local team, which doesn't really happen that often. That's why it makes it special. Who will be on next year's team? Well, if you remember episode excuse me, I believe it was episode 63, I asked Tom Nichols what he thought the 2019 team would look like, and it was way too early. So, 2020, I'm not sure. But, tough year for the Dragons. It was nice that the fans got a pretty likable team, likable Dragons out there, a couple cool events. I think one that probably touched us all was the doubleheader right after the shootings in Dayton and the Oregon District where the starting nine of the second game, DH, came out and laid roses on home plate to honor the nine victims. I thought that was cool. That's probably the nicest thing I've ever seen at Fifth Third. And I also saw Manager Luis Boulevard become an American citizen. That's, you know, that's great. Not this year, though. I think it was last year, maybe 2017. Seasons all kind of mesh in. So who is going to the playoffs in the Midwest League? I told you it won the Dragons. That would be the 13th time in their 20 years in Dayton that they have not made the playoffs. But I will let you know that Great Lakes will battle Lake County. That's the battle of the teams clinching the first half, the... Loons first half winners, captains wildcard winners, and for the second half, you got Bowling Green at South Bend, at Four Winds Fields, I believe both these series, these teams are already there to begin with, how crazy is that, it's a best of three, meaning if you pick up the road win and win one at home, bam, you're into the semis, In case you're wondering about the West, the first half battle is Cedar Rapids and Quad Cities, the River Bandits, the Astros affiliate being the first half winners, and Kane County versus Clinton. Kane County got the second half win, Clinton got the wild card, and both teams shared the same record for a couple games late in the season. In fact, it was the one loss that Clinton had in the series. What was that, Burlington in town, or was that Kane County's foe? Pretty sure Peoria was in for Clinton. Anyway, that's your four first-round series. It's best of three all around, and I'll let you know who's moving on playing the semis next week. And now we talk Frontier League playoffs. Florence Freedom are in, but in case you're wondering if Florence got the Western title or Evansville, it were the Otters. It's the first division title for Evansville since 1999. And on September 1st, they tweet, When you win your first division title since '99, you party like it's 1999. That's huge. Congrats go out to not only the Otters for that win and the title win, but the Florence Freedom and the River City Rascals and the Lake Erie Crushers. It's weird to see that there's three playoff teams in the West... But in the East, there's only one. That's Lake Erie. And now we talk a little bit about said playoffs. We'll start with the Evansville series. Now, I mentioned River City. This is their last year in the Frontier League. The Rascals are gone. After the playoffs are over, after their run is over, bam. Rascals are part of the history books. Which is sad. I know about losing teams. It's It's not fun. Well, River City got off to a great start in the playoffs. They defeated Evansville 10-2 to in Game 1 of their Frontier League Divisional Series matchup. In that game, the Rascals were serviced by Nolan Metals hitting a pair of two-run home runs while Brendan Feldman pitched a complete game in the victory. That's huge. The Otters struck first, but the Rascals won it 10-2. to And also last night, it was the Florence Freedom coming up with a big defensive play. I mean, I I retweeted on my timeline. I'm going back to watch it. So let me tell you how it looks, in case you haven't seen it yet. And I don't know if it got to SportsCenter Top 10 yet, but from Florence Freedom, Ricky Ramirez Jr. in right field starts his slide. The ball's falling down. He's sliding towards the line. And he makes the catch as he's sliding forward towards the wall. I don't know how many sliding catches I've seen like that, but that's got to be one of the best ones. Some some of these catches these outfielders makes are outstanding. And just, I'm watching it again because it's a repeatable gif. He's just sliding. It looks like he has his right leg bent down, and he's sliding forward on it because it's artificial turf. He makes the catch right by the line. That's huge. Florence won against Lake Erie 4-2, the first round of that battle. The last tweet by Florence Freedom is Sports Games for Kids, saying who wants to support the Florence Freedom in the playoffs, and they have extra tickets to sell. All proceeds go to Sports Games for Kids, helping us bring more kids to games next season. It's Reds games for kids at com. in case you're listening to this like hey that sounds great but it's about two and a half hours to the first pitch of that game now you might make the argument eh, independent ball it doesn't matter being very mean today it was independent ball and then club football back earlier but yeah it's still sports it's still baseball and they still play with all their Heart and soul. For the Florence win, Scott Seabold delivered a quality start, and the Freedom, presented by Titan Mechanical Solutions, outlasted the Crushers of Lake Erie 4-2 at UC Health Stadium. Freedom got on the board first off of lefty Jared Koenig, the bomb the second, a fielder's choice by Ryan Rinsky, the third that saw the play of the play go the way of Florence. It's a tough fielder's choice to try to nail down. Florence would have a 3-0 lead. Six shutout innings by Seabold until the seventh. The Crushers got their first run there, and I believe another one in the eighth to make it 4-2. to The visual round of the Frontier League playoffs continue tonight with Mike Castellini. Nine and two on the year, 2.66 ERA, opposite another southpaw and Patrick Leggett, of six and four. So yeah, I'm definitely rooting for the Freedom. It was cool that we saw former Florence Freedom in Tyler Gibson with the Dragons, but it's big. I mean, Frontier League. They're going to be down to nine teams unless they figure out what River City's doing. And past few years, some teams have been leaving the Frontier League to go summer collegiate ball, meaning getting out of pro ball pretty much indefinitely. I, I'd like to keep my eyes out on this, and I will. And we'll tell you how the Freedom do in their series with Lake Erie and the Crushers. Which, by the way, if you don't know, the Crushers got a new logo a couple years ago. And they're now grapes, crushing grapes, because you crush grapes to make wine. I always like that new logo. I think it's cool. But good luck goes out to the Freedom. If you can't make it, you can catch a webcast. Aaron Brody does a nice job for the Freedom. That's 6.35 later tonight. And lastly this week... Are the Reds too far gone? I'd say probably. The series sweep at Pittsburgh, that was pretty much the red flag. The 3 out of 4 series loss at St. Louis, back-to-back DHs, that didn't help. Although St. Louis has caught fire. Yes, I agree with that, but if you're trying to fight for your playoff lives which Cincinnati is, they need to do better. A good series, which I should mention, I think I said three-game at Miami last week. I'm wrong, it was a four-gamer, sorry. Reds did a nice job winning three of the four at Miami, but you have to win against the big teams too. And right now, they've lost the first two against the Philadelphia Phillies at home. And they're facing a tough customer, Nola, who's 12-4 with a 3.45 ERA. And Trevor Bauer gets the start for Cincinnati, 10-12 on the year. But his 4.53 ERA is only for the season. His ERA in Cincinnati, Bauer's, 8.40. It's not been a smooth groove for Bauer making his way from the Queen City. Although... I do like that Bauer likes being in Cincinnati. I don't like the fact that he, you know, put fire on the fuel, saying that he won't miss anything about Cleveland. I mean, come on. Cleveland's been your home for a while. You're going to miss things up there. So we'll see if Bauer can get back on track against a pretty darn good Phillies team that are fighting to get in the playoffs themselves. The Reds are only three and a half up on last place Pittsburgh. Like I mentioned, that sweep against the Reds in Pittsburgh was quite surprising. That that middle game it was like did the Reds even show up. Reds elimination number has dropped all the way to ten. I think it was in the twenties last time I talked to you. Eleven and a half out of the wild card and fourteen and a half out of first. I don't see the Reds make the playoffs. Last month, last month for Marty Brenneman, which when he's on, I'll definitely have the radio tuned on. When he's not, mm, Cowboy, yeah, I'll have the radio on for the Cowboy. Anyone else? Off it goes. I still can't believe it's last month we get to hear Marty Brenneman on baseball. It's it's sad. I know not everyone likes Marty. I'm, you know, you don't have to. It's coming from me. But I feel like he delivers the game in a great way. I don't think his replacement does the same. I'm uh, not a big fan of it. Just found something pretty interesting, the run differentials, because, you know, I like talking about that. Reds are at plus four. And actually, that's not the best mark of a fourth-place team in the NL. You'd have to give it to the Mets at plus 20. They've slid a little bit. The Pirates' elimination number is at 7. Milwaukee's at 18. They're 7 back of first place St. Louis. And the Cubs are in second place, 3 back of the cards, but in charge of one of two wildcard spots. Washington has a a 3.5 lead on the Cubs for the top card. Look at the wild card standings, actually. It's such a shame, too. I mean, not only it's Mari Brenneman's last season, but you see this year, I don't think the Reds have a good record when they show off the throwback jerseys, especially the sleeveless ones, because that's always like 11 nothing of our team. Look at the wild card. Washington, the Cubs, Phillies two and a half back. Arizona's three and a half back. Milwaukee is four back. The Reds have even fell. Behind San Diego. So they're going the wrong way quick. Not eliminated yet. But. They're going to need some help. In case you're wondering about the AL wild card. Cleveland is currently tied with Oakland. And Tampa Bay is one up on both. The A's and the Indians. And Boston's five and a half back. Texas 12 and a half, Angels 15. White Sox 18 and a half out of the card. Seattle 22 and a half out but their elimination number is at 1. Toronto, Kansas City, Baltimore, Detroit, they are E's, meaning they're eliminated. Miami is the only NL team eliminated out of the wild card. I thought Colorado was, but no, I think they're out of the NL West running, but there you go. Do I think it's too late for the Reds? Yeah, kinda. But I will say, The Reds have kept me interested in their season all this time. There hasn't been a time where I'm like, oh, the Reds, eh, I guess I'll listen to it. I mean, last year I did when it wasn't very good. But this year, I mean, there's positives to build on this. And I know the Reds are trending downwards right now, and this has not been a great August nor a great start to September. But at the same time, we're still talking about the Reds. And I still think that there's pieces in Cincinnati that you keep them, and it's going to be okay for 2020. Playoff-worthy? I think so. If you get some pieces that help, you know, assess that. So, the Reds might be trending backwards, but during September, if they're on, I'll have the radio on if it turns out Marty and or the Cowboy aren't on, then mm, depends on what the score is, I guess. And that will do it. That's episode 113, and wow, that's about an hour 20. I definitely didn't mean to make this episode that long, but when you talk about local Cincinnati and Dayton sports, it's kind of hard not to. And also, you're wondering what my thoughts are on the big signing in Dallas or what that school in Columbus is doing. Answer to both, I don't care. So there you go. Until episode 114, this has been the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast, powered of Overtime Heroics and Rise Up Podcasting Community. Join us next week where we talk nothing but Ohio State. <laughs> Just kidding. It's still local Sunday sports. And then we'll get to talk a little bit about the upcoming Wright State Invitational for volleyball that I'm going to be working. So come out and see volleyball. This is Lee W. Malin, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via royalty-free music, no-copyright music group. Visit the slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and at The Lee W. Mowen. And on Facebook by liking The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast page. And become a member of the Facebook group, Fans of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye. And please join us again for another new episode of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.